It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Matt Chorley and this is Politics Without the Boring Bits. This week, I'm bringing you some of the best stuff that you might have missed this year. And today's episode is wild. It's perfect listening for uh, political nerds. We have scoured the globe, my Twitter mentions and my inbox, to find the most prized items in political history. From the four corners of these aisles and the darker recesses of your nerdy, nerdy minds... We've tried to create the most comprehensive collection of treasures. We have pillaged and ransacked and taken without asking. We've been to the workshops and wonk factories, the kitchens, bedrooms and wardrobes to unearth the outfits and skeletons that showed the great and good weren't so great or good. Welcome to the Museum of Political Fiascos. It's been in the making for such a long time. It was way... Way back on Tuesday, uh, when our head patron, uh, Daniel Finkelstein, and his slightly chippy assistant, John Stevens, discussed the whereabouts of the Liz Truss lectern. Well, John managed to find it. This is that eye-catching lectern, that one, that higgledy-piggledy pile of wooden blocks that was used by Liz Truss as a lectern when she became PM. My interest started, I did an FOI after she left Downing Street on how much it costs and found out it cost £4,000 to taxpayers. And then I didn't leave it there. I then later put in another FOI to find out what had happened to the lectern. Had it found a new life? Was it still in a cupboard somewhere? It turned out it was still in Downing Street. I did the same a couple of weeks ago and we'd almost all but given up hope that it would find a new life. It was still in a broom cupboard in Downing Street gathering dust not loved at all and then i put an article in the paper early this week i came on your show on tuesday and then actually as i was leaving the building after doing your interview on tuesday i got a message with a tip off that actually there was some hope for the lectern and that it had been moved from downing street in recent days followed this up and it turned out it has actually been moved to a new home Unknown whether it was moved under the cover of darkness or not, but it has been moved to Homes England and it is now going to be used by them in their offices in Whitehall. 
John Stevens revealing uh, where the lectern is. But Danny said it should be put in a museum like this. We should have an exhibition of, um, maybe the British Museum yeah. could do that as they've joined in, of fiascos. <laughs> uh, right? And so, uh, or maybe political fiascos. You could have William's baseball cap, which obviously you know, I was in the vicinity yeah. of. You could have uh, this. Lectern, the, lectern. The, the Jenga lectern, um, the Ed Miliband's the Millie Stone. You could yeah. have maybe this program can be the genesis of it. And so it is. And so it is. After up to three days of intensive work, we can finally throw open the doors on this fine institution, and you can join us for a tour before someone downstairs takes everything and puts it on uh, eBay. So let's walk into the. <laughs> Just help walking into the Patrick Maguire's here for a tour. I'm at the very front of the queue. The very front of the queue. The world's biggest nerd. It appears to be just snow on the floor, and only one of us. Maybe you're. It's I'm a giving Christmas you a, miracle. I, I'm giving you a piggyback because only one of us is walking. Uh, well, the opening of a great cultural institution like this is a big moment, and I know of one man whose willingness to turn up uninvited to the opening of an envelope uh, would even stretch the opening of a non-existent museum. He couldn't be here, but we have been sent uh, this very touching message. This is Ed Vasey, the former Minister of Culture, ringing in to congratulate Times Radio and Matt Chorley on the launch of the Museum of Political Fiascos. There's been a big gap in the museum market, although I have to say there have been one or two museum fiascos recently, but there's been a big gap in the museum market which is now going to be filled. It's going to be stuffed to the gills with unique and archival material. And I note it's the Museum of Political Fiascos. Obviously Britain will take centre stage, but don't forget there are plenty of other countries where political fiascos are also more than commonplace. And I would like to thank the government for the last seven years or so for providing so much rich material with which to launch this amazing museum. That's uh, Ed Vase there. He couldn't be with us live because he's over at the buffet table. Uh, Patrick, shall we make our way in then, into the, into the Great Hall? Let's. Let's. My eyes are blinded by the light dancing off this... <laughs> Beautiful marble. Wow, look at that. So dominating. Look at that. Dominating the room. Suspended from this huge ceiling. It's huge forgotten relic of a different age. All the remains of what was once a great political beast. I it, think I recognise that from a car park in Hastings. Yes, it's a, it's a reminder that from history, if you like, that one minute you could be stalking the earth and the next minute you're reduced to a museum exhibit. Now, our six pledges form the basis of our plan for working people. These six pledges are now carved in stone. They're carved in stone because they won't be abandoned after the general election. We had about a million uh, recommendations from curators uh, and listeners who wanted that, the headstone put in the, uh, in, the, in the room. What else is in here? I think I can see some more stones over here, actually. Oh, yeah. Ah, so these are, the, these are some pebbles from uh, Brighton Beach. These are the pebbles which Neil Kinnock tripped over on. Do you want a real stone? I'll walk on the, on the water. <laughs> <laughs> what? Kinnock there falling over in the water. I can't believe neither of those two became Prime Minister. Uh, and speaking of the beach, uh, we've also got this. This is a, this is an international entry. Uh, we had to, to steal this in keeping with the British tradition when it comes to filling our museums with things started from abroad. Uh, this is a sign from Dominic Raab's Crete break. 
uh, which makes clear... The, the stuff about me being lounging around on the beach all day, just nonsense. Uh, the, the stuff about me paddleboarding, nonsense. The sea was actually closed. It was a, a red notice. Yeah, so it's a got, shame they couldn't afford the paddleboard. Yeah, so we've got the red notice instead. Uh, right, let's keep going, uh, Patrick. Uh, we need to keep moving, which is apt, because we're heading into the Chris Grayling Gallery of Transport Fiasco. Now, I imagine this is a new wing they had to build with a massive philanthropic uh, donation, because there's a lot to fit in here. Uh, we couldn't, unfortunately, get the ferry in, uh, the ferry which, uh, the, 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 which didn't exist, uh, for the ferry company, which owned no ferries. But I do notice all the phone bills... For all the briefings of his own leadership ambitions, <laughs> circa 2016. Now, if the, Ed, if the Edstone was dominating in the, uh, that last room, uh, dominating this room is a bright red bus. We can take back control. Can I, can I, is this a no-touch thing or can I get in the driving seat? <laughs> <laughs> this bus, but wasn't, didn't Will Young use that bus as well? As a tour bus. Oh, that's a good call. They should, they should really have contextual notes <laughs> in front of these exhibitions. <laughs> it's because we're not using the audio guide, guide properly. Also, so we've got this great big red bus, but there's a smaller red bus just to the side here. I have a thing where I make models of... I mean, when I was in London, we were mayor of London, we build a beautiful... I make buses. I paint the passengers enjoying themselves okay, great. on the wonderful bus. <laughs> I think that was painted by a, a nobleman. <laughs> Sorry, that, uh, that, that was extracted by yeah, a nobleman. Little-known right. young nobleman. Little, now, now, you know, yeah, now elevated the House of Lords whilst Council. What's now, that over there, Patrick? Well, that is a very, very special piece of transport history. It is, as you can see, bright pink, untouched, this antique vehicle, since 2015. And it was, uh, you know, part of that very successful election campaign we saw in the main hall with the Edstone. It's Harriet Harman's Barbie bus. Oh, here we go. I mean, I've just looked in my bag a moment ago and realised that my iPad was pink and it hasn't drained away my fem feminist credentials. So, I mean, it's meant to be eye-catching. Joe, if you did it now, it'd probably go down quite well, Barbie. It was, you know, it'd get the youth, it'd get the youth vote out, wouldn't it? It's not just buses, though, over there. We've got the red car, which be never actually belonged to Rishi Sunak, but she filled up with petrol anyway. He's got the card he didn't know how to use <laughs> as well. <laughs> Uh, and then next, that's a large space where they were going to park the SNP camper van. But instead, we've just got the white outline of a camper van that was drawn by the police. And what's that over there? Ah! Half a dozen traffic cones. Do you know why that's there? What, what are we supposed to do with those? Uh, well, you're not meant to do anything with them. You're meant to call the number that's written there and tell John Major you've seen some traffic cones. Oh, very good. That's nice of the children. A bit of interactivity. It's a cones hotline. <laughs> So coats hotly, very good. And then there's just a, a whole, there's a glass case here of just some other smaller transport items. Margaret Ferrier's train tickets from where she travelled from Scotland to London and back again, even though she'd got COVID. Uh, and that old-fashioned yellowing one there, that's Dennis Healy's unused uh, ticket to Hong Kong, 1976, when he was Chancellor, you know, squeezing the rich until their pips squeaked. He was on a trip to Hong Kong, or en route to Hong Kong, uh, when he had to turn back and go to the Treasury uh, and get an IMF bailout. I mean, that is properly niche. Thank you for the whichever listener uh, said that in. Uh, now, that we were also able to have a tractor in this room, but frankly, this is a family day out, and we don't want any of that filth. I, um, funnily enough, it was tractors that I was looking at, and um, so I did get into another website um, that had a sort of very similar name. I did think um, I recognised that. And I watched it for a bit, which I shouldn't have done. <laughs> Dirty boy. Uh, right, we should move on, then. Let's leave the, uh, the Chris Grayling wing... Uh, 
And let's leave the Chris Grayling wing of the museum. We're off to the, uh, the, uh, the catwalk of fashion fiascos. Uh, I don't usually go in for this. You just see rooms full of emotionless, lifeless wooden mannequins, don't you? Uh, that's a, no, that's actually, that is actually Theresa May. Oh, right, uh, wearing okay. uh, £995 leather trousers. Uh, and then right next to that, we've got a sort of Guy Fawkes dummy. Uh, ready for the bonfire. Oh, oh, that's uh, Jeremy Corbyn in a shell suit. And, well, in this glass case, we've got... Is uh, that is that a relic from a holiday to the Netherlands? Why does it say Hague on it? Uh, no, very good. No, I think it's a, a relic from a trip to Cornwall. It's oh, William yeah. Hague's baseball cap. Don't do anything unwise to try and grab that attention, I think is the, the uh, moral of that particular episode. Uh, and Michael Foot's donkey jacket. Uh, no, not a donkey jacket, as Michael Foot and Jill Craigie, his wife, could have told you. It was actually a very expensive green overcoat that Jill bought from Harrods uh, for his winter coat. Not a donkey jacket at all, as much as it looked like that. Uh, and we've also got in here some accessories as well. Doug, Danny Alexander's yellow budget box when That's he held up his own. That's probably niche from 2015. Uh, and in this a- uh, interactive area, a blue shirt. A uh, blue shirt. This was uh, put in here by the uh, curator, Times columnist, Robert Crampton. This isn't very nice, particularly for, for, from an aesthetic point of view. Remember Tony Blair's sweat-soaked blue shirt? <laughs> at the, when, he, uh, when he mistakenly wore a, a, blue, a blue rather than a white, white shirt. White. Yeah, yeah, it's very risky. For, for a party conference speech. And, uh, and then did his big, big yeah, yeah. thing at the end with his arms up. And uh, it was absolutely saturated. That can go in, like, the fashion room. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a few yeah. suggestions of that. And you could of... get like an odor, like a, like in the cinema where you get sort of smells and Scratch and, and sniff. That's the Tony one. Blair's yeah. Yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to scratch that, Patrick? <sighs> I've already touched it. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so this is the... Ah, now we're entering the John Stevens wing. You know what? I hate you go to museums and everyone's got a wing that's named after a controversial philanthropist. <laughs> So this is John Stevens, uh, dedicated John to, uh, this is all dedicated to lectern fiascos. Uh, well, maybe Ed Vasey, when he's finally got away from the buffet, he can help us get the funds together to buy Liz, Liz Truss's Jenga lectern from Holmes, England. So there's a gap here, but there's pl- plenty else, plenty to see here, Patrick. I mean, each, what's nice, actually, is on each lectern, uh, you can uh, you can press a button. Shall, I, pr- shall I press this first press one? Press that one, yeah, yeah. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Oh, very nice. Last seen this lectern in Halifax in 2017, just after Theresa May had binned her controversial dementia tax, the moment she arguably lost that election. But there's plenty, there's plenty of uh, Theresa May uh, lecterns here. Here's another one from 2017. I'm not sure I want to touch this one. No. It's covered in a sticky film of some sort. It does... Oh, is, it, is, that, is that phlegm? Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Public sector working together... <coughs> Why, why we will never... <coughs> yeah, I think we'll leave that. Um, we... <coughs> oh, dear. Uh, and then there's this one. This was uh, David Cameron's lecture, which he last used in 2016. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was your right. Now, this is an interesting one. This is not really a lecture. What's this, Patrick? Ah, it says this was last used in Blackpool in 2003 by someone called Ian Duncan Smith. Doesn't ring a bell. What was he doing? I say this. The quiet man is here to stay and he's turning up the volume. And he was turned out by his uh, <laughs> colleagues shortly after. Now, John Major's soapbox. We had a few nominations for this. Should John Major's soapbox be. Well, I think this is controversial curation, although good museums these days try and be provocative and try and, you know, shake us out of our, uh, shake us out of our cosy consensus. You know, 1992, John Major got on his soapbox first for the first time in Cheltenham, I think, and 
you know, he took the fight. You know, Labour had a very yeah, glitzy, yeah. very well-produced campaign. And he, he won against the odds. Yes, he no, did. We're not, we're not having this. We're going to hand that over to a different museum. We're going to loan that. Repatriate to, that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, this is an old favourite, Patrick. Uh, do you want to push the button on this, lecto? Oh, you're too kind. We're all right! We're all right! <laughs> So this is from Neil Kinnock's victory rally in t- 1992. Can we do that again? Oh, Can I press on. that again? We're all right! We're all right! It's nicer than to have translated uh, what Kinnock insists he said, which is, well, all right, and not all right. <laughs> <laughs> right, we need to move on. Uh, ah, now, in this room, in the Museum of uh, Political Fiascos, it's just, it's just a weird collection of odds and sods that we can work out where to put. Uh, so we've got lo- lots of lots of listeners wanting this to be put in the museum. This is all bigoted woman uh, said she used to be very, I mean, that's a uh, Gordon Brown's lapel mic from uh, from Rochdale in 20, 2010 you know that should really go with uh, the Gillian Duffy memorial lapel mic should the go Gillian with the Gillian Keegan, Keegan. yes exactly yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. it's all about the, 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 the Gillian box yeah, the Gillian yeah. box uh, what else is, what's that over there uh, that's a bin overflowing with those look like those look like documents from the cabinet office Ah, that, yes, that's Oliver Letwin's bin. I was walking around dictating responses and simply wanted to make sure that the pieces of paper were not weighing me down. So. Yeah, it turned out he was dumping uh, government documents in, in bins. This is a visitor's announcement. The museum will close in ten minutes. Oh, uh, oh we need to get on. We need to crack on. Right, right so we got, right, we're going to have to rattle through this. Uh, What's this reconstruction of a suburban semi-detached house? <laughs> I think it's all about the fact that the flag on that, that's the thats the Rochester flag. Uh, image from hatch- hashtag Rochester. Yeah, Emily, Emily Thornby lost her job in the Shadow Cabinet in 2014 after apparently sneering at flags. We haven't got time to have a go on Jennifer Arcuri's uh, pole dancing poll. I'll tell you what, let's have a quick go on this. This is good. This is an interactive karaoke-style exhibit where you can pretend to be Jeremy Paxman by shouting at Mike at this Michael Howard dub. Or is it the real Michael Howard? Right, Patrick, you have a go. So let me just read, let me just read the, the text here. Did you threaten to overrule him? The truth of the matter is that Mr. Marriott Did you threaten to overrule suspended. him? It tells me that I did 12 not times. Overrule did you threaten Derek. to overrule him? I took did advice you threaten to on what him? I could or did could you not. Threaten did to I did not overrule him. Derek was not suspended. Did you I threaten to overrule him? For my decision did you threaten to dismiss to overrule Derek Lewis... What a lot of fun. What a lot of fun. Fun for all the family. There's a filing cabinet marked paper fiascos. One whole filing cabinet just full of Andrew Bridden's letters of no confidence that he sent to Graham Brady. Ah, uh, this takes me back. This is Paul Nuttall's CV. This is Paul Nuttall's CV. Oh, I mean, it looks impressive, but is it all true? No, and I've never claimed I've got a PhD. It's and, on and your website. It's not on my website. It's on a LinkedIn page that wasn't put up by us, and we don't know where it's come from, OK? So I've never claimed that at all. Did you ever play professional football for Tranmere Rovers? I played for five years for Tranmere Rovers as a schoolboy and a youth team player. I've never claimed that I've been a professional. It was one press release in 2010 put up by a press officer who knows nothing about football. <laughs> it's really good this stuff has been safe for the nation. It's good. It's always, it's, there's a place for it to be. Uh, there's a roll of wallpaper in here as well. Neville Chamberlain's piece of paper proclaiming peace in our time. That'll hit, that's all there. Ah, oh, this is a treat. What's that, Patrick? I'm saying wing roulette, half chicken medium with spicy chips and garlic bread. Ah, this could only be Gavin Shuka and Change UK's Nando's receipt. Oh, t- that takes us right back, right back. Takes us back. That and long then, table full of political heavyweights. On the top of here, it's part of the paper ex- ex- exhibition, is Gordon Brown's printer, where children can take it in turns throwing it at the cabinet. 
much. Uh, let's. Uh, so all of these things have been recommended or uh, put forward by Times Radio listeners and guests this week. Look, we don't. We're running out. Of we time. don't have time to go in the Trump International we, Gallery. We can't go into the Trump International uh. Gallery. It's basically they've got like hanging chads, Justin Trudeau's blackface makeup in there, a bottle of cloudy water from a bunga bunga party jacuzzi, uh, just Rudy Giuliani, the Four Seasons total landscape. But we don't have time. We've got to crack uh. on because I've, I thought I'd treat you. I've paid for the extra. You know the oh, the, the, the temporary exhibition. Uh, a guided tour of a special exhibition from Elaine Chalice, who's Professor of British History at the University of Liverpool, is here to show us around. Hello, Elaine. Hi, Matt. Hi. So, uh, tell us about the fiascos from the 18th century. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a couple of, of elections that ended up being controversial. We, we would call them fiascos, but they certainly created some attention. How well, would that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. That's exactly what we want. Okay. What's the first one you've got to show us? Okay. The first one I'm going to tell you about is Wells-Somerset election, which is from 1765. It was a a by-election called by the fact that one of the two MPs, these were all uh, two MP seats, had been called up to the Lords. So there was a seat open. And there was a a man who was the son of the uh, earlier mayor of the town, but he was an aspirant. He, you know, his his dad was a mercer. Uh, He wanted to, to... work his way up in the system yeah. but the established people didn't want him so they called him the Burcott Bear because he was a big bluff um, big genial chap and they fought for four months if we think about short elections this was a four month election wow. and in the end what they did and this is the part that's really interesting is they called the election they held the election they started the poll two votes were cast and then the mayor who was on the other side um went off in a, in a huff, stomped out of, of where the election was being held, went off with everybody that was his followers, started an entire, entirely different poll, ran a completely separate election, and they had two full election polls done. They submitted all the results. Um, our luckily uh, Wells person won, except <laughs> he didn't, because oh. it went all the way to Parliament, and Parliament decided that because of the way the election had been held, if we went back to the charter in Wells, because Wells had a charter that dated way back to King John, the mayor had the right, and so consequently, even though the guy had won the He'd vote... Won. So they won two elections and he still won. Uh, Elaine, tell us about Miss, Mrs Punch. Oh, yeah, Mrs Punch is wonderful. This is, this is a Hinden election, Hinden in Wiltshire. It's 1774. And Hinden is one of these places that's really venal. You know, people expect to be paid. Um, you go and you get favours and you go to the local pubs and they basically have holes in the walls or holes above the door and they give you money. You're tied up in a little piece of paper. But then you also had, a week before the election, they had a, a man who dressed as a woman who went around town uh, surrounded by uh, people carrying flags and staves and and bats, basically clubs, giving money out to people at the door. And some people, some families earned up to 20 or 30 guineas from this. Now, if you multiply that by sort of 60, you get a sense that this is a huge amount of money for a vote. This one was... This one was so contentious, this election, that basically they ta- the Parliament tossed the election out entirely and ended up putting the two candidates uh, in jail for six months for bribery. Wow. Uh, Elaine, really good. To, to, uh, thank you very much for showing us some of those old fiascos. Let's head to the, uh, the uh, cafe of political fiascos. 
Now, needless to say, a lot of entries. A lot of entries for this one. Uh, now, what, do, oh, what should we have? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's half eleven. I haven't had a proper breakfast. Do you I don't think I lost with the bacon sandwich. <laughs> I don't think I lost with the bacon sandwich. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about that. He doesn't um, seem to be enjoying it. Something, something a bit more specialist? Now, you said to me about 11 o'clock last night, it seems like another age, that if the exit poll was right, you'd eat your hat. Well... This Andrew, is a hat. You are you are and so predictable, aren't you? I just knew you'd do. I wanted to get a bigger one. <laughs> I bet you. Mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to meet Paddy Ashdown's hat. Uh, but, 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 right, uh, you could maybe eat a hot dog with a knife and fork like David Cameron. Mm, I'm not really feeling that. What about a burger? There's one of George Osborne's posh Byron burgers, which he was eating while he cut spending. I'd like something more traditional. Have you got anything more traditional? Yeah, uh, there's John Gummer's delicious, definitely BSE free burgers. There is no need for people to be worried, and I can say perfectly honestly that I shall go on eating beef as my children will go on eating beef because there is no need to be worried. Well, his daughter seems to be enjoying yeah, it. So yeah. <laughs> There's a choice of eggs, too. I think I'd give Edwina curried eggs a miss. Uh, John Prescott special. Mm, that sounds messy. They well, he's, he's got it all down his face. They throw the egg at you, then you punch them in the face. Mm. Uh, what about the Michael Gove Scotch egg? Although, is that... I don't know, is that a starter or a main? Um, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's probably a starter. Um, a couple of Scotch eggs is a starter, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, a Scotch egg is a substantial meal. Mm, I'm not sure if it's going to fill me up or not. We could get something from the cold fridge over there that Boris Johnson hid in. Uh, they've got David Miliband's banana. Uh, Pete, well, come on, Peter Mandelson's guacamole. Oh, what a treat. What a treat. Uh, hang on, let me, on closer inspection, that's not guacamole. No, that, that's mushy peas. And there's just lettuce. So, so much lettuce. Actually, I know what I'm going to have. A little bit of fish, a little bit of cheese. Yeah. Sorry, what is that? A little bit of fish... A little bit of cheese. It's what they call the Keir Starmer breakfast. Oh. A little bit of fish, a little bit of cheese. A little bit of fish, a little bit of cheese. What are you going to have to drink? Ah, uh, is it too early for a tipple? No. So that's basically all there is. You can have a suitcase of booze, uh, a Diane Abbott mojito in a can. I'm thirstier than that, though. Uh, what about a tray of 14 pints, or what they call a William Hague? Yeah, go on then. Well, we need to crack on, Patrick. We're running out of time. Uh, we, I don't think we're going to have time to go into the uh, the salon of musical fiascos. Oh, but can we get can we get something to remember the day with? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. We haven't got time for that. That's we haven't enough. got time for that. They haven't got time for that. We haven't. Well, th- to be honest, they haven't got the Nick Clegg video recreated. Carly Rae Jepsen's "I Really Like You." We haven't got time for John Redwood singing the Welsh national anthem. We haven't got time for the slightly eerie fiascos. <laughs> never existed. That's David Cameron's pig. Oh. We don't have time for that. Or we definitely don't have time for Keith Vaz's washing machine. Let, let's go to the gift shop. What do you fancy in the gift shop? Uh, oh, those shoes look nice. Hang on, they're much too expensive. They're £480 pounds for a pair of Prada uh, loafers. You're not having those. Uh, what about what about those? Uh, well, I've, my godson would love that blue brick and orange hammer set. Yeah, that's the Ed Davey uh, kit. Uh, okay. Yeah, you could definitely have one of those. Uh, very good. Uh, or I just might buy one of uh, Jeremy Corby's massive marrows. Take one of those home. Put that in your trousers. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, how have you enjoyed your tour of the Museum of Political Fiascos? Honestly, I've enjoyed it more than I enjoyed going to the National Railway Museum on my 28th birthday. Well, listen, we, at this point, we must pause and thank our team of curators, our team of listeners, who ha- helped pull together this extraordinary exhibition. 
Leslie Smith, Mark Chapman, Miranda Green, Stephen Thomas, Mike W, Susanna Rolls, Tim Grindle, Brian Robson, Richard Jacks, David Manning, Darren Newman, Phil Jones, Peter Halston, John Michael White, Simon Page, Nicola Roberts, Andy Day, Stephanie Ellen, Helen Walton, Phil Jones, Liam O'Hara, Paul Dempsey, Alan Chaplin, Martin John, Alice Lilly, Jonathan Jones, Richard Jacks, Graham Lovelace, Catherine Mills, Tony Reed, Roddy McDougall, Catherine Miles, David Sells, Nicholas Faulkner, Phil Burgundy, Ed Fryer, Katie Parker, David Stubland, Christopher Gay, Mark Lee, Philip Morris, Martin McLeish, John Campbell, Larry Dunstan, Pippa Poskett, Tim Carter, Julie Nins, Katrina Congleton, Philip Lowe, Harry Atkinson, Stephen McMillan, Bill Rankin, Fiona Van der Sluice, John Wensley, David Kaufman, Simon Witts, John Wensley, Jason Blair, Sarah Shaw, Tim Smith, Dan Johnson, Dee Goddard, Jonathan Andrews, Anne Dixon, Janet Edge, and Bob McCluckey. And if you like that sort of thing, you're going to love my Times Radio show weekdays from 10. I'm back in January. But for now, for me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. Goodbye.